Welcome to Insurance Made Simple. I'm your host, Peter Vitale, and this is episode four. In today's episode, we are going to talk about how all insurance policies are not created equally. It is one of the biggest misconceptions in the personal lines insurance industry. Uh, Consumers are always confused uh, and think a policy is a policy. So, uh, in preparation for today's episode, I have... And you'll probably hear me rustling through uh, some papers here as the show continues. I have analyzed the Personal Lines Auto Insurance Policy Contract, Michigan-specific version for Progressive, Allstate, Geico, and Safeco. And um, for those who may have never heard from Safeco before, that is a um, company that's owned by Liberty Mutual, and we've all heard of Liberty Mutual before uh, due to their uh, very catchy and uh, very uh, frequent um, television commercials. So all insurance policies are not created equal, and that's the topic of today's show. Before I get into the details of what we'll be going over, please Uh, like and subscribe and review the podcast wherever you're listening. As you know, uh, you can listen to this on virtually any platform uh, where you normally listen to podcasts. So any um, subscribes, likes, reviews are always greatly appreciated. And if you live in Michigan and are looking for someone to take a look and advise you on your personal insurance policies in the podcast description for this episode, there will be a link to get a quote from Encore Insurance, um, my new insurance agency here in Michigan. So let's jump right in. Uh, this was a big undertaking for me. Normally, I kind of, you know, will look at policies for specific questions. This is, um, you know, I, I kind of looked at all four of these policy contracts. Remember, guys, this is a legal contract. You're entering into a legal agreement with an insurance company. So this is something that is... The contract says what the contract says. Uh, Usually, uh, they're not too ambiguous. The insurance carriers have a long history of modifying, changing these contracts. So they're right; they're the experts at writing these. Um, You don't get to change them. You don't get to negotiate them at all. The contract is what the contract is, and uh, it says pretty plainly what it says. There's not a lot of room for interpretation. So I guess. Let's jump right into kind of the format of the policy contract. Most people, even if you're not familiar with with many concepts in insurance, you're familiar with what's called the declaration page. Now, the declaration page has the policy coverages, the policy limits, um, and then variable information like the name of the agent, the name of the insured, the vehicles insured, the deductibles, things that that are going to change. And while that's a good kind of general indicator of like what coverages you selected, it doesn't really show and explain everything. Because as we're going to see, there are some pretty big distinctions in um, these insurance policies that we're going to review today that um, are not listed anywhere on the declaration page. Um, There are additional coverages, benefits, and features that are built into the contract that are different from carrier to carrier. There's no perfect insurance carrier. You know, our goal as insurance agents is to match and pair you with the insurance carrier that's going to best suit your and your family's needs. Um, And that comes in at the right price point for you and your family's budget. 
So, so let's dive in. So after the declarations page, we get to the policy contract itself, right? The real, you know, the agreement itself, right? Again, that deck page is kind of variable information. And while it's very beneficial, it doesn't really lay out the terms and conditions of the entire policy. So that's where the policy is. So let's, by way of example, you know, uh, we're looking at 34 pages. I'm looking at progressives uh, base uh, policy here in Michigan, 34 pages. Uh, all states, there's about 38 pages. Um, Safeco's looks about the same and Geico's looks about the same. So roughly the same amount of uh, pages. I would say all states font looks pretty small comparatively and it's like two columns. So it's kind of like double the information versus progressives that I'm looking at here. That's just kind of one column per page. So let's get into it. So what's in here? So the first thing to look at when we're in here, the most important thing to look at is going to be the very first part of the policy, which is called the insuring agreement. So I'm on progressives. I'm going to read you the insuring agreement because there's this, there's this, you know, pretty succinct. So insuring agreement in return for your payment. Now your is in bold here. So we'll talk about that in a second. So in return for your payment of the premium, we agree to insure you subject to all the terms, conditions, and limitations of this policy. We will insure you for the coverages and the limits of liability shown on this policy's declarations page. Your policy consists of the policy contract, your insurance application, and the declarations page, and all endorsements to this policy. Now, I kind of put a little inflection uh, in my voice on any of the words that were bolded, because why the heck are these words bolded? What does that mean? That's interesting, right? So, what does that mean? Well, that's the insuring agreement I just read you. The very next section is the general definitions, and this makes sense now because the bolded words are defined here. So let's go through that first sentence of the insuring agreement again. In return for your payment of the premium. Now, your is bolded. So let's see. What's the definition of your? I mean, that's a pretty simple word, your. What's the definition? I wouldn't think that that needs to be defined, would you? But this is a policy. This is a contract. It is defined. So your has a special meaning here. So number 17 in the definitions defines you and your. And it says you and your mean a, a person showed as a named insured on the declarations page. Declarations page is in bold here. So we have a definition within a definition. Uh, this is typical insurance here. And then uh, B, now this is a long one. It says the spouse of a named insured if residing in the same household at the time of the loss. The spouse is considered to be a resident of the household when there is a legitimate marital covenant, shared economic and non-economic burdens, and a legitimate reason for the spouse to be staying in another home or location. If the spouse ceases to be a resident of the same household during the policy period or prior to the inception of this policy, the spouse will be considered to be you and your under the policy. But only until the earliest of one, the end of 90 days following the spouse's change of residency. Two, the effective date of another policy listing the spouse's named insured. Or three, the end of the policy period. Guys, that was all the definition of you and your. Do we see why insurance is complicated now and why we need a podcast called Insurance Made Simple? Because, I don't know, that's a lot of words to define you and your. 
but this is insurance. Now, this is the way it is. So how many definitions? There are 17 definitions in the general definition section of this policy. The terms defined are additional auto, auto, auto business, bodily injury, covered auto, declarations page, occupying, personal vehicle sharing program, property damage, rated resident, relative. I mean, the word relative is defined seriously. We don't know what a relative is. It needs a five-sentence definition, but it is. Replacement auto, ride-sharing activity, trailer, transportation network company, we, us, and our, that's all defined one way, and you and your, those are the 17 words that are defined in the general definitions of this policy contract. So can we see why this could be so complicated and why there's so many pages? We had to define those 17 words. Half of them, we already think we know what they mean, but this is, I don't want to bury the lead here, so I'm going to speak plainly. This is why insurance is confusing because you think you know what a word means like you and your or relative or resident or auto. It doesn't mean what you think it means. It means what it says in the definitions. And that is why insurance is confusing. So that's we're into two parts of this policy, right? We have the insuring agreement and we got general definitions. So then we get to part one, which is uh, in the case of progressive here called liability to others. And it uh, says insuring agreement for bodily injury and property damage liability coverage. All right, and this is the insuring agreement for this particular coverage. If you pay the premium for this coverage, we will pay damages for bodily injury and property damage for which an insured person becomes legally responsible because of an accident. Damages include prejudgment interest awarded against an insured person. We will settle or defend at our option any claim for damages covered by this part one. Well, that's interesting. I mean... What does that mean? So the insurance company, if, you know, is going to pay damages for bodily injury. So what does bodily injury mean? I mean, you know, that's what they're going to pay for. It's in bold. So it's a defined word. So what does that mean? So in this policy, bodily injury means bodily harm, sickness, or disease, including death that results from bodily harm, sickness, or disease. So bodily, let's do that again because that's kind of confusing. Bodily injury means bodily harm, sickness, or disease, including death that results from bodily harm, sickness, or disease. So it's going to cover bodily harm or, or death caused by bodily harm to somebody. So bodily injury here in this insuring agreement says that we, the insurance company, will pay for damages for bodily injury and property damage for which an insured person becomes legally responsible because of an accident. So how does someone become legally responsible for bodily injury? Well, that's easy. That is somebody sues you as a result of an auto accident. It's your fault. They sue you. They win the lawsuit. You become legally responsible to pay them. Your insurance company is then going to pay them subject to this policy. So this is kind of confusing already. I mean, I'm not going to lie. If this was the first time I was looking at an insurance policy contract, I would take this, I would put it down, I would hide it so I never had to see it again in my entire life because this is thick reading. This is difficult. So that is part one. Now, the most frustrating part is after this, there's a whole section called additional definitions. So, I mean, seriously, we had 17 definitions that were general definitions. Now we have additional definitions. All right, so when used in part one, 
insured person means, and it goes on for a bunch of stuff. And then um, it talks about additional payments. So there's an additional definition of insured person. So hang on, was insured person defined in the general definitions? Let's look. No, it wasn't defined there. So there's an additional definition for part one only, not for the other parts, but just for part one. So that causes confusion in this, this whole situation. But we then get to the most important part of any insurance policy, which is the exclusions. This is the part you should read the very most carefully because the exclusions is telling you, right? We had a simple, a very simple thing that it's covering us for. Remember, we will pay for damages to bodily injury and property damage for which an insured person becomes legally responsible because of an accident. That's pretty simple. That's straightforward. So you think no matter what, but no, 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 not no matter what, because we got to read the exclusions. Now, how many exclusions are here? All right, so exclusions start on page four, and they end on page six. So we have 17 exclusions. It's a lot of exclusions to read through. So what could possibly be excluded? Now, I'm sure some of this is going to be common sense stuff, but I'm sure some of this stuff might be like things you might think are covered, but they're not. So this is what we need to read. This is the most important thing. And obviously, we're not going to read through all 17 of these. This podcast is to help you understand some of the big things that we need to look at. But you should be reading your policy. And in many states, you have a duty. And in Michigan, you have a duty to read your policy. That falls on you, the consumer, to read this 34-page bit of thick reading developed by like 5,000 lawyers who all tried to make this as the most complicated as possible. But this is the document that you are entering into. This is your contract. You want to read this, okay? So let's just look at one random exclusion. So I'm going to look at exclusion. Let's just pick a random number here. Six. Okay, this one's pretty small. So one of the exclusions is bodily injury or property damage due to a nuclear reaction or radiation. What in the world? A nuclear reaction? Why are they even talking about this? I don't know why they're talking about this, but they must feel that there's a chance that there's going to be a nuclear reaction or radiation. And if that happens, the insurance company is not going to cover bodily injury, you know, due to a nuclear reaction or radiation. I would think that nobody really thought that was going to be covered. But again, this isn't about what we think. This is about what the words on the piece of paper say because it's a policy contract. So... Bodily injury or property damage due to a nuclear reaction or radiation, that is not covered. All right, we understand that. That's an easy one. Let's go to the next one. Uh, so we'll go to 12 just randomly here. So this says bodily injury or property damage arising out of the ownership, maintenance, or use of any vehicle owned by you or furnished or available for your regular use other than a covered auto for which this coverage has been purchased. Hmm. What the heck does that say? So I'm going to read it again, and then we're going to dissect this. So bodily injury or property damage arising out of the ownership, maintenance, or use of any vehicle owned by you or furnished or available for your regular use other than a covered auto for which this coverage has been purchased. So this is saying bodily injury and property damage is not going to be covered unless the vehicle's covered by this policy. That includes if you own the vehicle or if the vehicle is regularly, what does it say here? Regularly uh, furnished or available for your regular use. So let's say, you know, you're 
grandfather lets you always use his car. Well, his car and the resulting bodily injury, even if you're using it, is going to be covered under his policy. It's not going to be covered under your progressive policy because there's this exclusion number 12. So these are things you've got to look out for. These are things that every policy is not created equal. Maybe company B doesn't have that exclusion. And then, you know, if you were driving your grandpa's car, maybe company B would would pay for part of the resulting bodily injury uh, to another person caused by an auto accident that uh, when you're the driver, who knows? We don't know. I mean, anything's possible. We'd have to go and we'd have to find this, you know, particular provision and other policies. So that's interesting. Now, after the exclusions, we get into Things like other insurance and out-of-state coverage, and then we get into the personal injury protection coverage, and that seems to be a lengthy section here. Well, each one of these sections has more definitions and more exclusions. Pretty interesting. Um, so as I'm kind of going through here and going through, I, I made some kind of notes of things I wanted to talk about, okay? And one of those in this policy and it's something that we wouldn't find on the declarations page, but it is a interesting coverage benefit or feature. But it says there's pet injury coverage. This is something you wouldn't otherwise know is in your progressive auto insurance policy. But it says, if you have purchased collision coverage for at least one covered auto under your policy, and if your pet sustains injury or death while inside a covered auto or a non-owned auto at the time of a loss covered under collision or comprehensive, we will provide, one, up to $1,000 for reasonable and customary veterinary fees incurred by you, a relative, or a rated resident if your pet is injured in or as a direct result of a covered loss. Or two, a $1,000 death benefit if your pet dies in or as a direct result of the covered loss, less any payment will be made towards veterinary expenses to your pet. So if your pet dies in an auto accident, there is going to be a $1,000 death benefit included in your progressive auto policy. Honest to God, that is not something I knew before reading this document in preparation for this podcast. I learn new things every day reading these policies too. So that's why it's so important that we read this because, you know, you may not even think to tell your claims adjuster if your pet was injured in an auto accident because you figure this is my pet. It's not going to be covered by my auto insurance, but it is. And the interesting thing about this is when I went through these other policies, there is no pet coverage in the Allstate policy. There is in the Safeco policy, and I don't remember in the Geico policy because I didn't make a note on the Geico policy for this. But this is, so all policies are not created equal. Pet insurance coverage is included in some of these policies, but not all. And these are standard policies, Michigan auto policies that you would go buy. So if Progressive was a few dollars more and you had a pet, wouldn't you find value in having this coverage so that you could, you know, if your pet was injured in an auto accident or God forbid killed in an auto accident, that you would have some money to either, you know, take the pet to the vet or, you know, to help with the after death costs associated with the pet. That's a big benefit or feature that, you know, many may not even know about that's in their policy. So, you know, 
I would challenge each and every one of you to go online to your insurance company, you know, where you get your auto insurance, pull up the policy document. You're going to find it's like, you know, if it's like any of these, it's probably 35 to 45 pages. And just, you know, if it's a PDF, do a control F and search for the word pet and see if there's pet coverage. You, you know, maybe there's not, maybe there is, who knows, but it's interesting nonetheless. Now, the next most important part of the policy contract is something called appraisal. And this is basically, I like to call appraisal the what happens if we don't agree section. So what if my insurance company says, you know, my car is totaled and it's worth 20000 and I say it's worth 60000 or but you're probably not that big of a discrepancy. So let's say 30000 or 28000 What What happens? Do I just have to go with what they say? Or is it different? And that is where the appraisal section of the policy comes in. And this is a paragraph, so I'm going to read. I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm going to read most of it. But it says, if we cannot agree with you on the amount of a loss, then we or you may demand an appraisal of the loss. Within 30 days of any demand for an appraisal, each party shall appoint a competent appraiser and shall notify the other party of that appraiser's identity. The appraisers will determine the amount of a loss. If they fail to agree, the disagreement will be submitted to a qualified umpire chosen by the appraisers. If the two appraisers are unable to agree upon an umpire within 15 days, we or you may request that a judge of a court of record in the county where you reside select an umpire. So if we don't agree, we find a qualified appraiser. The insurance company finds one, the insured finds one, and if those two qualified appraisers can't agree, then they both pick a neutral third party. And that person's called the umpire. If they can't agree on picking an umpire, then someone has to petition a court to appoint an umpire. But I would say most of the time, you know, they can agree on someone who they both think is fair. And then that person's determination is final. So that's what happens if you don't agree. So if you ever think that you deserve more in a loss or, you know, it's not, you can't just think it either. You can't just say, well, I think it's worth, you know, my car's worth 28000 because I think it is and I really liked it and it was a good car. And, you know, you need some facts on your side. So we need to, you know, uh, you know, do some digging, see how much a car could be worth, you know, whether it's uh, Kelly Blue Book or some sort of, you know, interesting and statistical facts and information. But, you know, if the insurance company's persistent that it's not worth that much and you've got some documents that show it is, then this is how we figure it out from here. This is what we do. There's an orderly process that's in the policy contract and, and this spells it out. So appraisal is another really interesting, you know, policy provision. Not, hopefully the loss is never that bad. And, you know, guys, insurance companies, you know, listen, they're not in the business of nickel and diming people and giving people an unfair amount of money for claims. Otherwise, they're going to have a pretty bad reputation. They're not going to be able to sell many policies off that bad reputation. They're going to try and pay you what they deem is fair. That doesn't always mean they're right. It doesn't mean also that if they're wrong, they had malicious intent. Maybe there were some, you know, features to your car that they didn't realize or they didn't know about, or, you know, someone just made an honest mistake and plugged in the wrong submodel into the, the appraisal calculator that they use. But you don't have to settle for it. And if you adamantly disagree, there's a process. And this is a process that, you know, it seems to be pretty fair. It seems to be, you know, 
everyone should agree after that. And, and if not, I mean, it is what it is. That's what you've agreed to when you signed uh, this policy contract. So this is one of the most important parts of this policy. Now, there's also a very interesting part called transfer of interest. And this part is a short paragraph, so I'll read it. It says, the rights and duties under this policy may not be transferred to another person without our written consent. However, if the named insured on the declarations page dies, this policy will provide coverage until the end of the policy period for the legal representative of the named insured while acting as such and for all persons covered under the policy on the date of the named insured's death. So if this policy expires in three months, and if the person whose policy it was died today, this policy continues to cover until the expiration date. Now, if you don't tell the insurance company that this person dies, you may just, you know, you get the next bill and, you know, you're the personal representative of this person handling their finances after their death, and you just pay the policy bill, you've paid for a policy that's no longer active. It's no longer providing coverage because it says if the named insured dies that this policy will provide coverage until the end of the policy period. Now, just because the insurance company may not know the person's deceased, they send a bill to that person's name, you send a check. That doesn't mean there's coverage, guys, because this is very clear here. It's very clear, and it says there's not. Um, and that brings me to another point that's much earlier in the policy contract, and that talks about your duties and responsibilities, which are to notify the insurance companies of any changes in vehicles, any changes to the, the pertinent information of the policy. So this is important because many people think that they have coverage, but they haven't read the contract. Remember, common sense does not prevail in contracts. <laughs> what prevails is the words written on the piece of paper. This is why this is important. So We've gotten through one of the policies, um, some interesting parts of one particular policy. In the coming episodes, we're going to talk about more things that um, you know are interesting in these policy documents, but this is extremely important to remember. You must read the policy contract. What you think is logic and common sense is not logic and common sense if the policy doesn't say what you think it says. So it's important to read the policy. It's important to have an insurance agent who's knowledgeable. If your insurance agent isn't knowledgeable, and if you read the policy, and I'm not saying you have to read the whole thing cover to cover. I mean, you should, but you know, if you don't, you just happen to skim and you find some things, right? Like this duty to report changes I was just talking about, where it says, you know, you must promptly report to us all changes, including additions or deletions in this policy. And it says the residents in your household, and you have a question, you say, you know, um, I, me and my wife just had a baby, and, you know, do I have to report that to my insurance company? Well, it says here the residents of your household. Is that child a resident of your household? Yeah. So if you have a question, do I need to really report this? Because obviously my, my newborn baby isn't driving. And you call your insurance agent and they advise you that you don't, you know, I would say, well, I'm going to send you an email, Mr. Insurance Agent, anyway, to let you know, because it says that I needed to let you know about the residents in my household. And this new baby is a new is a resident of my household. If you choose to do nothing with it, that's okay. But 
I need to cover myself here because the words of the policy contract are clear. And if there's a dispute and if this goes to court, guess what's going to prevail? The policy document you've paid for and that you've agreed to says this. Did you do it? So we want to make sure you're covered. Guys, this is an important start of learning about policy contracts, learning the important parts. Thank you for joining me on this episode. Please like and follow and review the podcast. I appreciate you listening. If you have any questions, my contact information is in the podcast description. Happy to talk to you anytime and advise you the best I can. Talk to you soon.